Right, so shall I start with a public announcement, I think? Yeah. Uh, Listeners, I'm sorry to say that for one week the podcast has been prorogued uh, by Nick, (laughs) who felt that we should take a break. Um, Mm. This decision was unlawful, and the Supreme Court (laughs) has overturned the decision, and so we're back. So let's oh, <laughs> I'd like to say that I'm not going to resign and I am in fact going to soldier on in the belief that as long as I just keep saying it'll all turn out all right, it'll all turn out all right. Exactly. All should be well, unless it isn't. Welcome everybody to episode 86 of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. My name's Nick Page. Oh, he's Joe... T- I'm, I'm out of practice, actually. I don't really know what I'm yeah, doing. Yeah, no, well, you, you act like that's, uh, you know, never happened. Before, <laughs> here we are, it's everyone. A new experience. But isn't it lovely to be back? We've been on it's, holiday. Yeah, I, I think we had, I had a nice break. Did you have a good break? Oh, fantastic. Yeah, great. Down in Holywell Bay in Cornwall. Just perfect. In the right. sea just about every day. Wonderful. Yeah, lovely. How about lovely. you? I, wonder, I thought the sea levels were rising. Um, yes, I was in the south of France. <laughs> lovely. Um, yeah, no, I was, I was in the, the, the Provence. I was in Provence. Oh, and, um, oui. Yeah, great. It's very nice. Fantastic. Lovely. Is that your dog barking loudly in the back? That was Bill, yes. No, unbelievable. He's, He's, he doesn't like the podcast. No. <laughs> He's been trained. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so yes, holidays, good. What's been highlights? Reading? Uh, all those sort of questions that I normally ask yes. you when you're back. What have you been reading? Uh, Let's just ask you that. Um, well, there's a very good book called Nature Cure, which by uh, uh, Richard Maybe, uh, about how the effect of sort of getting out in nature on his depression. So I recommend mm. that entirely. So mm. I've been reading lots about nature, lots about Great. birds, lots of stuff, watching lots of birds. Uh, doing stuff wonderful. Like you yeah. saw owls, yeah. didn't you? I saw eagles. Oh. Eagles, oh, vultures, uh, honey buzzards, scops oh. owls. Oh, stop it. All kinds of stuff. Yeah. Sounds brilliant. Great. What, what about you? What have you been doing? What have you been reading? I read at your recommendation. I read about rewilding yourself, uh, which was great. Uh, although I did, I did think there, it could it? be an article rather than a, a whole book. Yeah, it did, it did Simon Barnes. Yeah, but, I, but I he's great. The he's fun. Yeah, I, I like did. the practical. Thing. Yeah, I like that. that. Was good. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Uh, I finished, mm. of course, finished Steve's book, which was terrific. Uh, I really enjoyed mm. that. Steve Chalk, and we put an interview out on that very subject. Yes, and can I say? Yes, when I left Oasis. Yes. In 1996. Was it really? One of the main aims, one of the main things about leaving Oasis was that I would never have to listen to Steve Chalk speak for an hour ever again. <laughs> yeah, it was a long one. Sorry about that. And, and what's happened? Well, he doesn't do short stuff, does he? He, he doesn't know, really. You know. Anyway, a lot of response on that, so we'll get on to that. Uh, yes, yeah, and it's been, it's been in, in a little while. mostly very positive. Yeah, that has been good. Uh, what else? Well, I don't know. Should we just should we just get on with this? Because well, yeah. Well, what, let me let's say about events. We should pick up about events. Oh you yes, know, we should got, do. Uh, what's happening with your enneagram? Oh yeah. Well, we've sold forty tickets, which means there's Marvelous. there's ten left. So if That's you were thinking of coming to the enneagram, I mean the enneagram is just great if you're 
you know, thinking about how personality develops and the ego self and the true self and how you behave and how you behave when you're under stress and when you're in health and all those kind of things. Because, of course, the real deal about your personality is it isn't necessarily the real you. It's the it's the kind of protection you developed to protect the real you. So it's a fascinating thing. If you're at that stage of your life where you're prepared to take a good long look at yourself, the Enneagram is quite possibly for you. So come on that day and uh, yeah. yeah, find out about yourself. There you go. Thank you. And uh, then when we're doing two events at Lee Abbey next year, or I'm doing one and then we're doing a joint one later on. So if you are um, a, a creative type or, you know, uh, then I'm doing a week on paying attention to God in March. Brilliant. And uh if you're if you if you're a creative type and don't want to come to that, <laughs> or if you're any other type, if you're uncreative, mid, mid faith crisis week in June, aren't we? So, yes, uh, exactly. Um, stuff about that on the website. And June so is an incredibly well. I guess any time of year is brilliant to be down there. But yeah, that's June right. Is, yeah, I mean, enhance your week uh, rather than no, just, no, no, no. Because it's fine. No, so You've really... already kicked me out of the June week. I had the June week. <laughs> he had the June. They week. asked. They asked me to do the June. Oh, week. you're such and a suddenly, martyr! Suddenly, in comes Joe. Saying, no, I'll do the... You do March, Nick, where it's so much warmer. Oh, sorry, were you still talking? <laughs> <laughs> I beg your pardon. It's good. It's so good to be back. Can we, can we get I've on... missed you. I've missed, I've you, missed you. Can we get on with the feedback? Yes, and could we in the future have slightly less high-quality feedback, please? Because I am having increasing trouble ignoring it all. Yes, it is annoying, it's isn't it? It's been very, very good, and uh, it, it's, it's hard to sort of keep... Um, Keep my head stuck in the sand. Yes, exactly. So um, so there you are. You've been told everyone. Yeah, and do try and keep your emails short as well. That would help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Just make well, your well, point. No, well, you know, sometimes people... I know that people write really heartfelt stuff as well. That's the interesting thing. Yeah. We get, we've had some really powerful emails. So do thank you, everyone who, who yes. writes in. We don't necessarily read them all out because sometimes they're not that kind of thing, really. Yeah, and, exactly uh, right. And we do read them all. And even though Joe does all the replying, I do read them. Do you? And um, yeah, I do. Oh. Yeah. Oh, good for you. I'm not that much of a well, sociopath or whatever it is. You say that. <laughs> Anyway, well, I scan, I scan them. Anyway, uh, moving on. We have got loads because we haven't done any feedback for three weeks, and as far as I know, nothing else has been happening in the country while no. we've been away. So, yeah, it's been very quiet. <laughs> it's been very so quiet politically. Here we are. Okay, so let's get on with it. Gareth uh, says this. He says, um, "Hi guys, I am an episode behind for the first time since the podcast began. Shame on him. Uh, blame Nick as he has long chapters, and I can't extend my time on the toilet any further." He says, "But <laughs> he says, but I wanted to pick up on something said about chapter five and the idea of people in the Bible being very different from us and culturally, yes, they are. But the chapter also brought how how similar." that uh, the people in the bible are uh, and mm. they can be corrupted by money power lust mm. that they sometimes have slightly dark sense of humors and that they question and doubt and get it wrong we always say how much the world has changed but human nature really hasn't one of the biggest turnoffs is how we make our bible characters holier than thou and therefore try to present ourselves also like that but that's not my experience we can stop pretending because actually it probably does us no favors keep up the good work Absolutely. Yes, yeah. I think that's absolutely true. So, you know, there's a cultural expression that, that goes on in the, in, in the Bible. So, you know, they, yeah. they don't think like us. And yeah. you know, Paul didn't think like us. And Jesus yeah. didn't, you know, the, the, all the, the Old Testament yeah. characters don't think like us. It's hard to, they have a different mindset. But you're right in that the basic drivers of humanity are the same. Have always been the same. Yeah. Haven't yeah. they? Yeah. Um, and that's, I guess, why the Bible 
um, you know, still counts and still makes its mark. Yeah. Okay. So we got one from Angus who critiqued mm. your chapter on it ain't necessarily so, the violence in the Old Testament. And he disagreed with your conclusion. Now, it was the world's longest email, so I'm going <laughs> to cut it down, as we would expect nothing less from you, Angus. Uh, but... Um, but uh, I think this will give you a flavour for it. And he says this. Did the Israelites believe that God commanded genocide? Yes. Did the Israelites or later write the text believe that God has previously commanded genocide? Yes. Did God command genocide at that time in history? Possibly yes. However much that offends our present and hence presentist sense of morality... Would God command such genocide today? God forbid, of course not. It appears to me that the God of the Bible wants to lead his followers at each stage in history to ever higher moral standards while always reminding them that despite this, they will always fall short of the standards of a holy God. Well, um, thanks, Angus. I, I get your point. Interesting perspective. Um, but I wouldn't agree with that. And I don't think that's what you were saying in that uh, chapter either. Well, I think he. I think what he's presenting there, Angus's thing is... is um progressive sort of revelation yeah. the idea that yeah. which which i do think is found in the bible i think yeah, that's really what happens that later ages understand differently and they're able to understand differently but i think my fundamental point in that chapter was actually that i don't think joshua is a historical yeah. account as we understand history yeah so uh i think he sort of critiqued me sort of saying that we can read it metaphorically yeah. but i think if you don't believe it actually happened you're entirely liberty to Read it metaphorically. Also, in fact, reading it metaphorically is um, the way that all the early church fathers read it. So I think... Um, yeah, that's, that's the really know, interesting thing, Nick, I think, that, that you, yeah. as a historian, bring that out. We often think, oh, my goodness, we're trashing orthodoxy. And I really like it when you go, oh, no, no, this was the orthodoxy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I think that's my point. That's my way of reading it. I mean, your people are perfectly entitled... Uh, you know, to to read it in the way they want, but I think um, I, 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 that's my fundamental point. I think that it, it, it demands us that we read it slightly differently because I don't actually think it's a historical. Great. Account. Okay, but, right. Be quiet anyway, now because I'm moving on quickly. Good. Thank you, though. Uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Mm. Steve, Did I say it was good to be back? I lied. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen says hi, Joe and Nick. Blah blah blah. Uh, he says I do get asked the same question from three sets of people. Now this is interesting. He says, one from conservative evangelicals saying, I'm picking and choosing what I like and don't like in the Bible. So that's point number one. Point number two, exact question quote from my mate who may be labelled as not a Christian by evangelicals, but who I believe is God's child. So that's fine by me. And he says this. So what is supposed to be taken literally is Jesus was the son of God who came down from heaven via Mary's womb uh, before being stabbed in the side with a spear and then coming back to life, then ascending to heaven on a cloud. <laughs> so that's a, just a question again about, you know, well, what's literal and what isn't. Mm. And then three says, and my lovely wife, Hannah, who has said to me a couple of times, you do seem to pick and choose bits in the Bible from time to time. So what do you believe? So, um, that's that. I, I, this is a question that comes up over and over and over again, yeah. isn't it? You know, we you're just picking and choosing yes, what okay. bits we believe. I think you actually helped answer this in the book, but I I think uh, it is a difficult one, and I think there's two there's two things I would want to say straight away. One is everybody picks and chooses. There isn't anyone who doesn't pick and choose what they believe literally. So when Jesus says, "Sell all your goods and give your and give everything to the poor." Mm. We choose not to take that literally nowadays, yeah. most of us. Yeah, yeah. 
But actually, there's no indication necessarily that he didn't mean it for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> but but no, we everybody does it. So the most conservative evangelical will still pick and choose what to take literally and what yes. not to take literally. Yes, exactly. Um, the second thing is, it, for me, it's about the genre. It's about what kind of writing is it, uh, you know. Yeah. And there is a difference for me, for example, between the genre of the Gospels and the genre of the sort of ancient histories. They're, yeah. they're different types of writing. They appear the same kind of writing because they're written in the same because they're translated in the same manner and they're sort of flattened out. But they're actually different kinds of writing, really. Yeah. Um, and written at different times. I, in fact, I, funnily enough, I had pretty much this conversation in the, with a bloke in the pub last night. Right. I got talking to, um, who was saying that well, aren't the Gospels just like the stories of King Arthur? Mm. So there may have been an original King Arthur, but he was a Romano-Briton who mm-hmm. kind of, you know, was a tribal leader, held yeah, things together sure. after the Romans. And then later on he gets, you know, Mallory turns him into this king of the round table and you get Excalibur and, yeah, you, know, sure. uh, you know, all that kind yeah. of stuff and Lancelot and Guinevere. Um, and I was saying, well, the problem there is they're not like that because of the time difference. So for one thing, the Gospels were written... You know, around 30 years after the events that they yeah. claim to be recounting, plus they were written from eyewitness accounts, which were which was circulation before that. So they're different kinds of writing. They're not the mm. same kind of thing. And so I think you have to take them on their own terms. Now, that still, um, you know, obviously asks you to take them as, as testimony, and that's mm. a matter of faith or a matter of belief. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I think that's my key thing. Yes, we all pick and choose... And how we pick and choose depends on the genre, the type of writing that we're looking at, and even the type of saying that it is. Yeah. And so he's saying, how can we sort of simply explain it? So take people to the type of literature. Is what I think saying. that's yeah. that's how I'd do it. Yeah. And then and then just run away. That's what I'd do as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> well, that is helpful and practical. Thank you. Yeah, uh, okay. Yeah, and then know. Steve, a different Steve, um, who sh- we should refer to as Steve too, uh, says this. He says, hi, Joe Nick. He says, still really enjoying the podcast and well done for keeping them so engaging and interesting after 80 plus episodes. He's clearly delusional. He says, uh, I've not read the BBB. It's on my birthday list for September, but currently reading Stephen Fry's Mythos, which is a retelling mm. of the ancient Greek myths and which led me to this thought. How much did Greek mythology or indeed other mythologies in the region influence the thinking of the Old and New Testament writers and subsequent church beliefs over the ages? There do seem to be parallels and many of which are a long way from perhaps the Hillsong representations we have today. So how important are these ancient myths? Are they still relevant? And should we try to understand them more to inform the basis of our own theology and beliefs? And he says, on a different note, I'm looking forward to your episode on politics, on recommendation. Oh. <laughs> and then he, he goes on. So there we go. Uh, we're not going to do an episode no, on we, politics, are we? I hope, are we? I hope. We should do, really, in well, a way. Oh, I but... think now's the time to do it, isn't it? Oh. And we can say anything. And we don't doesn't even have to be truthful, you know. It's just... <laughs> Whatever we like. It wouldn't so much be an episode of politics, it would be just sort of episode on depression, really. <laughs> I um, think so. uh, the Greek myths and the myths, I think I yeah. think all there's a sort of undercurrent yeah. well, I don't know how you feel about it. I think there's an undercurrent of uh archetypal stories yes. in humanity that seem to come through in all kinds of different mythologies. Yeah. Uh I think what one of the things that I find interesting is the way in fact that the Bible sort of critiques other myths and other mm. myth systems. Yeah. It, it actually takes the mickey out of a lot of them. like the, the Or the, subverts them. Subverts them, yeah, the better word. Mm. Um, 
and 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 you know it kind of uh, satirizes or does all kinds of things, for example, with Babylonian creation myths and all these mm, kinds of stuff. Mm. And it just gives a completely opposite thing. So where you do get uh, sort of like in the Greek myths, you get pantheons of gods, yeah, in all bickering and squabbling, basically humans writ large. Yeah. In the Bible, you get a god who's very very different, very mm. other. Yeah. There are still elements, I think, of, of that, yeah. those kind of belief systems coming in and, and sort of arguments between gods and all kinds of stuff. There's, there's stuff in there. So I, I don't actually think the Greek myths as such had much to do with mm. um, the Bible, but I do think uh, the Babylonian myths, Chaldean myths, you know, Assyrian yeah. myths did have a kind of influence in terms of the imagery yeah. that was used. Yeah, and I would uh, definitely refer, Steve, back to the episodes with Alexander Shire, and his quadratus journey and um, just all this. Yeah, there's some good stuff in those uh, podcasts. Mm. Uh, well, there we go. Can I move on? Thank you, Steve. Yeah, yes, thank you yes, very much. Please, OK, please. let's talk to Joy now. Joy. Um, and so, again, quite a long email. She talked about mid-faith crisis very vulnerably and openly. Thanks for that, Joy. And then she says this at the end, towards the end, she says, so I guess my question is around not just mid-faith crisis singular, because it seems to make sense to me that this type of process is unavoidable and arguably also needed somehow. And I can see that a mid-faith crisis offers the potential for huge amounts of growth, as it did in my case. But why crisis after crisis after yeah. crisis after crisis? And this is the way it may always be. She says, I hope this question sort of makes sense. And it's not just me, but she says, gosh, I'm tired. I'm also very, very grateful for your podcast. Thank you, That's Joy. Um, well, I think you, you should pick up on this because this is about stages of faith kind of stuff. Exactly. It? I mean, I first of all, I want to quote the prophetess Lynn Anderson, who who said so eloquently, I never promised you a rose garden. Um, <laughs> but, there, uh, but there is. Let's just pause and think about that. Hmm. That's true. Thank you. I beg your pardon. Anyway, um, <laughs> something is there is something to do here with expectations in life, isn't there? Uh, as well, I mean, yes. I mean, we've. I think we have banged on ad nauseum about the stages of faith, and there is a sort of a breaking down, a crumbling, a disintegration. There's there's order, and then there's disorder, and then there's reorder, and that is a kind of repeating pattern but I think there's also a learning in life that comes to embrace the different stages and not necessarily set yourself up in opposition to it so for example I think particularly with my personality type I have a, I have had an expectation in life that I should always be happy I should mm. wake up and I ought to be happy and if I am not happy um, then something is wrong well who wrote that rule into mm. life who who <laughs> Who said like? Who said you should wake up happy every day of your life? And you know where where does that come from? Where's that entirely unrealistic expectation? And rather than fighting it so much when I'm unhappy, wouldn't it be better to sit with it and go, hey, you know what? I'm unhappy today. Mm. Uh, but these 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 mood things pass quite quickly, and seasons do seem to start. And then they have a middle bit and then they come to an end. And the more I sort of learn to accept and do that, I'm not saying you don't always fight things when things are wrong, but there is that balance, isn't there? Um, and definitely to the Christian life, you know, I mean, I, I suppose I could say, yeah, I bounce from crisis to crisis, but I'm not sure I, I do really. I don't know whether it is a crisis. I just think sometimes life is really messy mm. and hard and difficult and, um, 
you know, sometimes everything goes wrong at the same time. Why does that happen? Why doesn't it go wrong? Why doesn't one thing go wrong a month? I could probably, mm. you know, if, if we said something would go wrong on the first of or the second day of every month. I could space it all out evenly, but no, 30 things go wrong on one you could day. You get prepared for it <laughs> yeah, properly, exactly. couldn't you? That's a great idea. When it doesn't work like that. So there no. are crises, and, you know, crises are crises, and they're there. I don't know that's a very satisfactory answer, Joy. Well, I, I but... think it's that the word crisis comes from the Greek um, quinane, which means point of decision. And there you go. Decisive point. And I think there's endless points of decision in our lives. Mm. You know, that's that's mm. just everyday life. Yeah. And sometimes you get bigger points of decision. Uh, and, and I think one or two of us, you know, we get, you know, you can look back and say, oh, that's my big crisis. That was my that was yeah. my real one there. And then after that, it's a constant iterative protest process of sort of making those decision points and deciding and and learning and moving forward. Yeah. Um, and discerning. I, I I agree. I, I think we just never arrived, have we? That's the thing. We, we we always want to. One day we will arrive, but we'd never have arrived. We won't arrive down here, I don't think. So. And sometimes things just go wrong. And sometimes mm. there's real suffering. Yeah. And, you know, maybe calling everything a crisis isn't the most helpful thing. Because sometimes real crises are, you know, very temporal and passing things. And sometimes it's a, a major stage of suffering. Mm. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, you were just saying about the narrative mm. that you set up about mm. your life, that I should be happy. Mm. Uh, and I've been thinking a lot recently about the, the, you know, the way that we, and I think we spoke about it on the podcast, mm. the way we set up the narratives in our lives. Yes. I, I talked about my narrative of failure. And mm. then we fit everything into that mm. narrative. Yeah. And so th there's that as well, that sometimes what we think is a crisis, what looks like a crisis, may not be that kind yeah. of thing at all. It yeah. may be that we're just fitting it into a narrative yes. of ourselves. But I think ultimately you're right. It's just life. Yeah, well, you're just That's saying why. what I said only better. So. No, no, no. I, I, well, uh, <laughs> that is my you. job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, thanks, Joy, for that. Roxana. Hey, good to hear from you. She, she says this. I've just spent a very pleasant 22 minutes listening to your episode about Ethel. She says, the thing that struck me most was she's a missus, which begs many questions. Who on earth <laughs> is she married to? Is he one of the elect? Does he need therapy? How does submission and headship work in their marriage? And 100 other questions. If you could inquire on my behalf, I should be most grateful. Well, uh, yes. Thank you, Roxanne. <laughs> uh, I did send her an email uh, asking for some clarification. Mm. on this and uh, she's written back which is very nice she said um, dear reverend and mrs davis your question as to my marital status has reopened an old and painful wound i was indeed granted the joy of holy commingling with a member of the opposite gender sadly as we journeyed together through this veil of tears it became clear that we were unequally yoked as the apostle put it i was a true member of the elect while he was an idol worshipping pagan or as he termed it a methodist <laughs> so for much of our marriage we lived largely separate lives until his death in 1997 well I say death he actually moved to Kettering but that's pretty much the same thing I believe he is in a vegetative state he's not ill he just spends a lot of time on his allotment I would ask you never to raise the subject again in the meantime I'm sorry to hear that your podcast is still going but we here at the Stone the Heathen Tabernacle of Grace believe that persistent prayer is powerful so our weekly intercessions against your drivel will continue yours in expectation of rapture Ethel sad old person brackets Mrs underline how, lo so, how lovely yeah. that's reply. well 
I, I didn't. I am sorry that I have reopened old wounds for her, but you know, that's well. <laughs> that's great. Thank you. It was better to get an answer. I felt great. Okay, so um, now moving swiftly on to Kate. Mm. Uh, I had a, a very nice and again very long email from Kate. Thanks for that. Who loved the BBB and has been uh, reading uh, through the Bible. And, and she says she coped with all the yucky bits, strangely, and surprisingly it was the Gospels that she found uncomfortable and their portrayal of Jesus. And she says this, however, when I got to John's Gospel, Young's literal translation didn't work for me anymore. Jesus keeps going <laughs> off into these long soliloquies and the whinginess and up himselfness just seem to be <laughs> multiplied. I guess it's possible that because I'm becoming increasingly universalist, I'm irritated by Jesus claims to be the only way to know God. And this idea that everybody else is a baddie, I don't know. Sometimes I feel he comes across a bit of a crazed cult leader. There's that saying, he was either mad or bad or God. And I wonder if the first two are in fact possible. So to summarise, she gives some more examples where people come to him trying to say the right thing and he slaps them down. And she says, I think, rather horribly. Interestingly, mm. his disciples all apparently thought he was sinless and I'm not aware of anybody at the time who disputed that. He says, I've got the book Jesus Behaving Badly, which has a racy title like Nick's, and it's kind of OK, but it doesn't really scratch the itch. I suspect that if I understood better the purpose of John's gospel and who it was written for, it would be easier for me to stomach. I'm sure both conservative Christians and atheists will be climbing all over me at this point. So when Nick rabbits on about how it's OK because God rabbits is like... On. Yeah, I know. Harsh. Uh, Nick rabbits on about how it's OK because God is like Jesus. Not sure how reassuring I find that argument. Though I do think it's fun how Jesus winds up religious people. Anyway, have you guys got any thoughts? I've got a, f a friend who... Um... He he says more or less the same thing. He says actually I've no I've no problem believing in a loving God, but I do think Jesus is a bit, oh, really? <laughs> a bit sort of strange at times. I haven't really uh, had that much in my ministerial life. I have no, to say, no, I, that's I, quite interesting. I, I think uh, a couple of things really. Um, yes, it's about what what's the intention of the gospel. What's John's gospel is trying to do? It is full of these rather long speeches. Lots of debate about the nature of those. Yeah. Um, but I think. My wife always says the thing about uh, the um, written word is you can't see the look in someone's eyes. So you can't hear the tone of voice. Mm. And I think there are moments when Jesus is saying things. And it's almost like a bantery thing going on. I mean, I think if you took a transcript of our yeah. podcasts yeah. and you saw the fact that I frequently call you a hopeless and useless human being. Yes. If you didn't see the you, loving yeah, look in yeah, my yeah, eyes, yeah. You, you'd think you that I actually one, meant that. Yeah, if you thought for one minute <laughs> yeah. that, that was anything other than loving. <laughs> I know. And, and so I think there is that. Um, yeah, and I think, and I right think you, that's how I kind of think of those those bits, really. And I do think there's a bit of editorialising in, in, in John, you know, where there were kind of bits where uh, there's a bit of speechifying and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. However, I also think it's written from a different perspective. Um, there's a very good book, very quite technical, but it's, it's excellent, by Richard Borkham called Jesus and the Eyewitnesses, which looks at the authenticity of John's gospel, which is really interesting. So we can't just dismiss it as somebody inventing a load of speeches. No, either. and again, other views are available, aren't they, in terms of you mm. know who John was written by. And some people say it was more people now reflecting on the life of Jesus theologically so that perhaps Jesus didn't even always say I am the way and I'm that those are those are theological statements from the community of John anyway I'm not saying that's what we think I'm just saying other 
other views are available. I, I do think it's a good point because, you know, the, the idea that Jesus was this kind of peace, love, hippie um, yes. probably isn't right. Um, you know, I was struck by Greta Thunberg's uh, speech this week. You know, you think, well, there's this, oh, how wonderful, a young person standing out. And she actually launched into it. You have <laughs> stolen my dreams. We will not. Yes. It was very, very powerful. And I sort of yes. imagine some of that in Jesus, like just making people wince, you know, like, oh, we like the stuff about love, Jesus. Yes. You know, just give us a bit more of that. But yes, that's right. Yeah. This tone yes. feels scary, you know. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think I think tone is always difficult sometimes to to detect the way things are said but um yeah i suppose i suppose take the qualities of jesus you know uh, non-violent um loving peaceful yeah. uh as as what we're saying about god yeah sure great thank you though okay thanks question. for that okay so now moving on to jacqueline she says this i listened to your latest episode episode 85 and was immediately reminded of a sermon if that's what it's called by brad jersak entitled they are in it's a stunning message which culminates in an explanation of the all-inclusiveness of christ in light of john fourteen six. no one comes to father except through me Father being the operative word. Too often this verse is used in defence of Christianity as if it were written, as if it were written, and this really applies to the last email, no one comes to God except through me. Jesus the Christ doesn't bring testimony to the existence of the right God. He testifies to the spirit of sonship to a father. To illustrate this, he recalls a conversation he had with an imam. This is um, Jersak, uh, yes, who had met. Jesus. Yes, not Jesus, who had met and fallen <laughs> in love with Jesus. It is this personal, intimate, relational approach that has helped me on my journey, moving from the fringes of evangelicalism into the heart of the arms of grace. There is so much I have been and still could be ashamed of uh, if it were not for this revelation of belonging to a loving Father and not just a remote God. A shame I only had because of the Christianity I was taught growing up. It is only in recent years I've understood the enormity of the all-encompassing love of the Father, quite a feat considering how flawed my own earthly father was. If I had Mm. to give my testimony in only one line, it would be, I am not ashamed of you. Something so many Christianised people need to hear. Well, yes, uh, yes. Very good. Yes and yes and amen. I'm sorry I didn't read that especially well, uh, Jacqueline, but what you were saying was absolutely wonderful and I agree. So moving on, uh, long emails from Nick. Hey, Nick, thanks for your emails. Uh, lots of feedback on Steve's uh, interview, uh, the interview mm. I did with Steve Chalk. Uh, mostly good, it has to be said. So thanks, Steve, uh, for doing that with us. Um, so uh, let's just read this one from uh, Kelly, who wrote a lovely uh, email. This is just an excerpt from it. And she says this, some feedback from Sunday's interview with Steve Shaw. I really enjoyed it. However, I am immediately sceptical when someone starts talking about facts. Well, you and me both, Kelly. Uh, she says, so I fact checked Steve Chalk when he said something <laughs> like, be, be, this is good, be, exactly as he would want you to, actually. People are entitled to their opinion, but there's only one set of facts, and that is that we are saved by our faith in Christ should be interpreted as we are saved by the faithfulness of Christ. What I found was that Steve's stance on the interpretation of Scripture is a fact that is still discussed. Steve makes it seem that all translators worth their credentials agree with the faithfulness of Christ interpretation. And she says, I found a lot of material that would argue against that point. Uh, so even though the faithfulness of Christ is an interpretation that some would endorse, there are many others who would disagree for a variety of reasons. Yeah, yeah. thank you very much for that, Kelly. Uh, good to say that there are other explanations available. Um I, I think the point is the fact is there is no word between 
uh, Christus and Pistu, so you know, mm. faith and Christ. And modern scholarship is increasingly pointed, I think, to the reliability of translating the faith of Christ. But yeah, some would disagree. And and I think the point is, I mean, I haven't read the book, so uh, ah, I but I have read a lot. I've read a lot of the other stuff. I've read the mm. the, the, the right and the Sanders mm. and all that kind of stuff. I think that the danger is sometimes when we say so it really means this that it implies that other people have been dishonest or disingenuous in their yes, translation over the years whereas it's perfectly legitimate to translate it either way if it wasn't there wouldn't be a debate about it no exactly so um i think the thing i want to take is to try and live in uh with the possibility that we may be wrong yeah, yeah <laughs> with the exactly possibility right. as you say other views are available and think well what if it, if it is true that it's like this, then what does that mean for me? Yeah. And not demonise people who 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 uh, choose to translate it another way, and not try and ban people or talk about heresy, as I've seen mentioned in terms of with with, with reference to Steve and things like that. It's just a load of old tosh. But I think yeah, I think you do have to say that it's it all translation is choices. And yeah. and people make choices out of sometimes they make but, them out of bad motives, but sometimes they're just doing the best they can, you know, and they're just genuinely trying to give an accurate. Yeah, but I think what I liked going back to your book, Nick, was that reminder to me that the the actual tradition in you know was to take scripture and debate it and understand yeah. and talk yeah. about it, not to just find the all conquering one doctrinal yes, truth yes, that lay behind yes. it, but actually this is a com conversation about this wonderful divine presence we call god yes. that cannot be described that is beyond words so let's start throwing our metaphors in and let's start and let's debate it together and the way that we do it as the theologians banana rama have been quoted before as saying it's not what you do it's the way that you do it no you're uh, just full of these these female <laughs> theologians today, exactly I, I want to get these more gender based female more gender balance on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. As well, Sister it, Cindy Lauper said, girls just want to have fun. Do you know the really should... weird thing? <laughs> I was thinking, this is really spooky. I was thinking of exactly the same <laughs> time. <laughs> We've been doing this podcast together too long. Anyway, listen, we could go on for hours, but we really should stop. Mm. But um, on the on actually, the point you you made about not demonising people. Uh, of an alternative view is the exact point I want to make when we start talking about politics and or the background noise around us. So maybe we'll come back next week and talk about that. Yeah. We should, shouldn't we? That would be good. Um, anyway, thank you very much for listening. Yes. Uh, it's good to be back. Thank you for all the feedback. Oh, uh, just it brilliant. very much appreciated. And people have written in beautiful, beautiful emails, real heartfelt stuff, so much of which doesn't feel appropriate to read out, but you know, no. well, I, I, I hope I've replied to you all. But yeah. Thank you. And no. thank you to everyone who's given to us since we last spoke. It's lovely. Thank you. Really, really helpful. That's very nice. Yeah. Why don't uh, I see any of this? Uh, did I say that? No, I mean, people just send good wishes, Nick, <laughs> to us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Right. Well, on that bombshell, uh, yeah. it's goodbye, and yeah. uh, we'll we'll see you in a week's time. Yeah. Thanks a lot.